right, so welcome back. Episode two. All right, we're going to get into it a little bit. Uh, we're kind of for our first, you know, full length episode. Um, we're going to essentially expound on the concept that brought us here. Uh, and, and basically what that is, is I, I kind of called it the first term blues or dealing with bad leaders. So kind of the concept of in your first term, uh, everybody finds themselves in that place where, you know, they're questioning what the hell they're doing here. Um, why, why am I doing this? How the hell did I end up here? I can't wait to get out of here. What can I do to get out of here? And sometimes it gets so bad that, uh, you get into the arena where or people are, are looking for any way out, uh, essentially quitting, you know, uh, they're, they're, you know, you can go down that that rabbit hole if you want to. There, there are people that uh, that go to pretty extraordinary measures to either not deploy or or not be in the navy anymore. Uh, and and it's kind of like you're looking at these people, and, and and if you were there when they first arrived, the question kind of comes to you: it's like, why? How did we get here? Uh, and why? And that's what I want to. That's I I want to go down that rabbit hole uh, with you today where we talk about, uh, you know, the difficulty encountered during the first few years and how to deal with it productively. Uh, so being in the military is hard. It's really hard. Uh, there, there, I mean, I kind of want to throw an F-bomb. It's really effing hard, right? Um, and, and everyone feels like quitting at some point. And so you need to understand what's happening during these periods from a broader point of view uh, so that it can be you can channel those frustrations in order to succeed uh, during your first term and then move on or 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 kind of parlaying that into a career, uh, which is what I did. I mean, I went enlistment to enlistment thinking, oh, this is it. You know, I, I'm only I'm only doing four years. I'm getting the hell out of here or or and then it was I'm going to just do shore duty so I can I can get college done and collect E5 pay and have health insurance while I'm going to school. And then I'm, I'm the hell out of here. I can't wait to get out of here. Um, and then I stuck around again and then here I am at 11 years as, as a, a brand new chief thinking still again that, you know, I'm done. I, I need to get out of here. Uh, and, and here I am again at 15 years and I couldn't be happier about what I'm doing as a, cause I developed and I had a lot of people help me along the way. I'm trying to help you along with it right now. So, um, the, the mind bending psychological stress that only a junior enlisted military member can understand, uh, you, you, when you're going through that, uh, you're going to come out the other end of it when dealing with it productively as, as a much better version of yourself. Uh, and what we're going to talk about is today is, is how to deal with that productively. Uh, and so uh, it's from a movie, and it's escaping me. What it, or It's from Jarhead, from the movie Jarhead, where, uh, and I'm sure they're saying it out in the fleet still, where, you know, new guy walks into the workspace, uh, you know, salty, third class, second class petty officer takes a look at him, looks him up and down and just says, welcome to the suck. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about the suck today. Uh, and I'm sure they're talking about it. So like, what is it, right? What is the suck? The suck is that mind bending stress. Okay. It's a type of, it can be physical depending on your rate and in your mission or your unit or whatever. But a lot of the times, along with you know some kind of physical uh, manual labor, a lot of it is is psychological stress, and everybody deals with it differently. Um, but the suck is something that just it's the getting beat down. It's that feeling of of helplessness, of you know 
where your motivation just gets destroyed. You don't care about a lot of things you used to. And and I'm not talking like suicidal ideations type stuff. I'm just talking about, you know, in a school or in boot camp, you were the the guy or girl that was shining your boots. that was pressing your uniform that had a lot of pride and motivation to be here. Otherwise, why would you have joined? All right. Nobody, nobody does this, you know, just thinking that they're gonna they're gonna skate their way through. I, like I don't believe that. At some point, something happens that puts them in that position of, uh, you know, of losing that motivation or, or losing losing sight of the reason why they got here in the first place. So so identify your motivation for being here. Like why are you doing this? Like why are you pulling this uniform on? How did you get here? Well, go back to the beginning. What was the decision that you made uh, to come into the military and cling to that, hang on to that, and keep it in your mind? And identify identify where your bar is. What what is your standard? You know, like where is it? You need to identify that, and you need to understand where's my bar, and when and why would I adjust it? And if you're ever lowering it, you really need to question. Uh, what is going on? Why are you lowering it? You know, you don't, you should never be adjusting to your surroundings for the sake of some kind of comfort or acceptance. That's crap. Uh, find out where your bar is going to be and then find people with similar, with similar goals or find people with a bar higher than yours and learn from them. Man, how did you, how did you get to that place? How did you be, how, how do you stay that motivated? How do you consistently pursue uh, development and and cons- consistently pursue just betterment, um, but adjusting your surroundings is is essentially quitting. It, well, you you check into a command and and you got shiny boots and you got your press uniform on and your creases could split hairs, right? And, and the first thing out of somebody's mouth is, "Oh yeah, that's gonna last, right?" So somebody somewhere is gonna laugh at you, tell you, "Oh, you don't need to do that anymore. You're on the ship now." Right, you you don't need to shine your boots. Yeah, you don't need to belt out the Sailor's Creed with pride. You don't need to, you know, call everybody petty officer. You don't need to do any of those things anymore. Um, and, and you know, are are some things slightly relaxed as you progress from boot camp into uh, a school and a naval military training environment to the fleet? Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't have a liberty card in the fleet generally. I mean, there's there's curfews in some areas and stuff like that, but you're you're trusted to be an adult. You're trusted to responsibly behave as a United States sailor and understand the responsibility that comes with that title. Um, but it doesn't mean that when you get out to the fleet, you're just military bearing. It's stowed in your rack pan, and you and you never need it again. Uh, the pride and professionalism that comes along with doing what we do for a living is no longer important. That the 240 years of history that go along with that uniform that you pull on is no longer important because that's crap. And you need to understand that responsibility. And, and don't give me this BS about, oh, well, you know, uh, well, I work for a living chief, so uh, I don't get time to shine my boots. Because that's horse shit, too, and you know it. Pardon my language, but I'm getting fired up. So when you are out there in the fleet and you're working and you're killing yourself, I like as a, as a, as a second class, I was on shore duty at a base galley serving 1,200 people for lunch killing myself out there, you know, slinging hash, doing what I do, getting filthy like we like only cooks can find a way to do in just weird ways. And every single day I came in in a fresh, clean, starched, 
pressed uniform with shiny kitchen shoes on, ready to turn and burn again the next day. And I wasn't doing it because I enjoy ironing and I wasn't doing it because my chief told me to. Uh, I was doing it because I was put in a leadership position and I had a bunch of junior sailors looking at me for what to do. And the only thing I knew how to do based on the best leadership I had example, best leadership example I'd ever had, which was my dad. Um, the, the only thing I knew how to do was lead by example. Uh, and thank God I was taught that I, I, I don't know where I'd be without it. It's one of the most powerful, if not, I mean, in my opinion, it's the most powerful mechanism for, uh, leading people towards something that, you know, the, some goal the organization has or, or towards a completion of some kind of a mission. It's, it's something that anytime you want to motivate somebody to do anything, leadership by example is the best way of doing so. Um, because you're demonstrating to them that it's, it's not just lip service. It is important to you because you're living it and, and you have to, to motivate people to do those things. Um, so I'm going to transition into now, like, so, so we've talked about you know, what is the suck? So how do you channel it? Like, how do you channel the suck to be productive? I mean, cause it's, it's suck. Like, how do you, how do you make that a good thing? Um, so positive positivity isn't just for morning people. All right. It's, it's mental strength and it's discipline. Okay. Um, when you're in the situations you're in, uh, everybody in the military, especially inside their first enlistment has been in a situation that has sucked so bad that you've progressed so far far past anger that you can't help but just laugh. Um, some of the examples I have is is on my last submarine, um, it was a special project submarine. And so we, our mission op tempo was absolutely insane. Uh, I, I mean, it, if I explained it to you, you wouldn't even think it was possible. But we would do stores loads um, on the swing shift. So, you know, I would come in 0730, do everything I had to do to be the division chief and to meetings and, and everything I had to do, maintain records and, and do the normal stuff with the duty cook. And then maybe run home for an hour, uh, go get some food, run to the mini mart and go get like, you know, nine monsters. Uh, and, and then we'd come back and start, uh, God, when did we, I think it was about 16, 1700. We would start loading food. I mean, the rest of my crew would show up, uh, the riggers would, would set up and we would start loading stores and we'd be there till usually around midnight, uh, sometimes later, uh, sometimes maybe a little earlier, but I mean, there were nights where good Lord, like I'm 18 hours into my day. Uh, some of my cooks are, are pretty close to that as well. And just the comical, ridiculous things that would happen as you're loading food on a submarine and the quantity that we're doing it and the way that we're doing it and during these hours um, and, and having just usually come back from a deployment when we were doing it and you just can't, uh, you can't even wrap your mind around how you got there and how, how, what could happen to stress you out anymore. And it's almost like this watershed moment where it just, it just all kind of falls away. You start laughing at yourself. Um, that's one of the ways that you can channel it positively. It's just a random example, but what I'm going to talk about is understanding what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, some of the things that I'm going to talk about are going to seem a little out there. Uh, the examples I'm going to use, they're a little random, but channeling it in the moments when the things are happening that are beyond your control, because where you're at as a junior enlisted person, there's so much that's beyond your control. Uh, you can't control, 
if the mission keeps you at work super late, you can't control if the deployment gets extended. You can't control if you have, you know, a crazy chief that's a bipolar tyrant uh, and it makes you do ridiculous things. And it happens. Like we talked about in the introduction, there's bad leaders out there, right? So you can't control those things, but you can positively uh, influence the situation, influence how those exterior things affect everyone else that's involved, right? And a simple example uh, that I give is um, drink runs, right? Everybody does drink runs. Everybody, you know, food runs and drink runs. Um, And one of the examples I can give is it's a little simple, innocent thing uh, that you don't, I mean, you don't think it's a big deal, um, but as the chief, what I would do is, I mean, I learned my guy's favorite drinks. Uh, And so when I could see the stress building up and kind of getting to a point where you know it was a, it was getting counterproductive and you could see see them to the point where it was affecting their performance and, and it, it was just palpable um, it was time to take a break and then I'd be like hey guys I'll be right back uh, 15 minutes later I come back from the mini mart with all their favorite drinks right everybody gets a monster or a red bull or whatever and we sit up on the pier and you know joke around taking our break, drinking a drink, and and it instantly puts them in a positive place, in a positive mood, and you're right there with them, leading by example. Um, So, you know, you're all in the suck together, and you you laugh about it, and you channel it positively, and you understand, like, this is what we got to get done. It is what it is. We do what we do, uh, and, and you push through. Uh, and, and it's so it's something so small, but something that as a leader and especially at that junior level that you can do in a situation that you can't control um, and that, you know, there's nothing you can do about the suck part except try to positively channel it by doing something like that, that I'm telling you, it'll go a long way with the people you're leading. Uh, it will go a long way to earn their trust and, and earn their loyalty and to put them in a positive uh, mood so that you all can together pursue accomplishing whatever it is you need to accomplish. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of other ways to do this. You, you try to identify what motivates people. Um, a lot of times at the level junior listed are at, it's liberty. It's always liberty. Just get me out of here, right? Um, you're not always going to be able to do that. I mean, who what third class controls liberty? I mean, it's pretty, pretty rare if it ever happens. Um, but hopefully you have leadership that you can work with where, you know, you talk to your LPO uh, and, and say, you know, can you get me a comprehensive work list or, or if we knock all this out, can, can I get so-and-so out of here early? You know, like maybe you got somebody that's a little more stressed out than everybody else, or they, they've put a little bit in a little bit more in lately and, and you want to reward them for their efforts. Cause you got to positively reinforce just like you got to hold people accountable. Right? So if you recognize that superior performance in, in your, you know, brand new E2 or, or, or in an E3 that's been turning and burning for a while, you can go talk to them about that. Go say, Hey, can I, can I cut so-and-so out early today? They've been doing an amazing job. Uh, and I just want to reward them for that. So, so try to, you know, recognize that performance, but work with your LPO to do things that you can't do yourself. Hopefully you're in a position where you can do that. Um, and then little things like just, just thanking them for what they're doing, being down in, in the, in the trenches with them, doing what needs to get done, leading by example, letting them know that you're there with them, um, showing them how to do it the right way, either by you doing it yourself and, and, and showing them that example or by training them, taking the time to 
work through it with them, even though it may be easier for you to do it yourself. Sometimes that's the hardest thing is when you, you recognize that I can do that. I can knock this task out in five minutes and it's going to take 30 minutes or longer if Seaman Timmy does it. But I understand that it's my responsibility as a leader to train them to do this. And with time, you're going to develop all your people to a place where you're going to be so much more productive that you doing this one task in five minutes uh, would no longer be the best option because now all of them can do it in five minutes or less, right? And so that cumulative effort is a force multiplier. And now you've got a really efficient, cohesive team that's just killing the mission. Um, So do not ever allow... uh, yourself to compromise your work ethic integrity or character for anybody anybody i don't care if it's the captain anybody you don't ever compromise your work ethic uh for anybody don't allow the environment don't allow any of those things to affect your work ethic to the point where what you were once doing the effort you were once putting in or the the level or quality of product that you were once turning out is affected based on you know someone else just being negative someone else uh, putting you in a position where uh, you, you know you're compromising that because of that exterior influence. Don't ever allow that to happen. Uh, and there, there, the ways that you do that um, vary, but it, it's one of those things where you, you, the mental strength and and uh, determination and just discipline play in. And a lot of it, it goes back to that repeating a mantra in your mind, right? Uh, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be mine, you know, like don't give up the ship is something that works for me. Um, but whatever it is, just understand that your name is on whatever product it is, whether it's the leadership of a small unit, whether it's, you know, for, for I say product as a, as a, as a cook uh, thinking, you know, like the, the product that we put on the line for the crew, right? My name is on that. And if it, it's going to represent me and it, and, regardless of how much effort you put into it. So it represents me when, when my bar is high and it represents me if I allow that, you know, work ethic to be affected by some exterior influence and the crew is going to know about it. And then the crew is going to suffer as a result. So don't allow yourself to be affected by that. Um, integrity and character. I mean, they, they go hand in hand, but understand that integrity is something that once it's gone, it's gone. Um, you, you cannot ever, compromise your integrity for anybody there are going to be people out there that try to drag you down with them there's going to be people that don't have the mental strength and don't have the discipline to exercise good integrity all the time there's going to be people that you know show up late try to skate out early do a bad job maybe you know do make question questionable ethical decisions Uh, but don't ever compromise your integrity for anybody. Uh, It is what it is. You're going to be put in situations where um, you got to make a decision that's not going to be popular. You got to, you know, do what's best for the person, even though they're not going to like it. Sometimes, you know, it may be disciplining somebody. Sometimes it may be bringing something up to the chain of command and they're going to, you know, be pointing at you, calling you a rat. Um, You know, these are choices you have to make and they're going to be choices you make based on your character. Um, your moral compass is going to guide you in the right direction every time, but you've got to make that choice to, to go that direction, to follow it. And it sometimes can be really tough, especially junior level leaders. Um, you may be five minutes removed from being peers. You may be friends outside of work. Uh, and 
at work, you're the leader. And so it's easy when everything's going good. It's easy when the friends are working well together. But then when somebody does something bad, when somebody's not carrying, pulling their weight or, or executing their responsibilities in the way they're supposed to, sometimes you're going to have to hold them accountable. Uh, and it's tough and, it, and it's not always popular. And, you know, it's lonely at the top. And, and that's part of the reason why uh, is when you hold them accountable, um, you know, they think you're being a bad friend sometimes. And that's a perspective thing. And that's a maturity or lack thereof thing uh, that they learn from. And every time I can tell you that I've been hard on someone by not compromising my integrity, um, I've taken the time usually when I can or when it's appropriate to explain to them why I'm doing it um, and what they did wrong, where they went wrong, uh, how they fix it in the future and, and stuff like that. And a lot of the times when it's not malicious, when you have a leader that's doing it because they genuinely care about you, you know, everyone on the receiving end of that, especially junior enlisted, like the kids coming in the military now, they, they know, like they know if you care, they know if it's faked or if it's not, they know if you genuinely care about them or if you're just parroting the company line. Um, and if you don't care about them, they pick up on it immediately and they will not respond to your leadership. They just won't. So you need to, to understand that in a leadership position, you need to genuinely care about them. I mean, and, and not in a way that you're personally friends with them uh, outside of the organization, but that you genuinely care about their well-being, you genuinely care about their, their progression, um, their performance, their continued training or, or whatever, whatever the case may be. But I mean, they, they're going to know and they're not going to respond or they're going to respond uh, based on how much you care. Uh, and you need to understand that they, they are going to know that and pick up on that. One of the, this, this one is something that it is, it absolutely floors me how unwilling people are to ask for help. Uh, I don't care what anybody told you. No one got to where they are by themselves. Nobody, uh, especially leadership. Like I, you know, I'm doing this for 15 years. I was a nine and a half year chief, uh, did not do that myself. Not even, not even close. Uh, had I not had uh, the mentor that I had, I number one, I wouldn't be in the Navy. Number two, I probably would have went to Captain's Mass on more than one occasion. Um, but I had people that saw potential in me. I had people that cared enough about me to invest in in my development and to keep me on the right path and to smack me in the back of the head and tell me I was being a dummy when I was being a dummy. And I was willing to receive that because I could see how much he cared about me. And I could see that he genuinely wanted me to be his relief, right? To, to be his replacement later on. And he saw something in me or he wouldn't be spending the time talking to me about that. Like he wouldn't spend the time developing me. He wouldn't spend the time talking to me about what I had done wrong and how I needed to fix it. And he wouldn't have constantly been on me. If he didn't care, he wouldn't do that. He would just let me go off the rails. So you need to understand that too, is when somebody is is spending that time on you, it's because they care. And it, and it might seem negative at the time um, because they need to put you back on the right path or because you need to be held accountable for something because you are in fact screwing it up. But 
somebody that pays that kind of attention to you, I mean, they care in, in, in one way or the other. And the argument can be made. It's because they care in a negative way and in, in that they dislike you. And that's why they go out of their way or, you know, they're a bully or whatever. And, and again, like we always say there, there are bad leaders out there, but it's few and far between generally, if they're spending that much time on you, it's because they see something in you that's not being realized. And so take that moment, pause and, and try to see it from their perspective because something, something's going on there. They recognize something in you that they're trying to develop. So now conquering the suck, right? How do we conquer the suck? So we've got three kind of categories of leaders that I want to address that are probably the ones that make the suck suck, okay? Um, so you've got, what I, I mean, think air quotes, so you've got bad leaders, right? Uh, people point, you know, people in the position where they're going through the, the suck uh, point at them and say that they're bad leaders and that's why it sucks and they're the reason it sucks. And, and these quote-unquote bad leaders are a myriad of things. They could be uh, inexperienced leaders. They could be misinterpreted leaders. Uh, they could be um, they could be good leaders, and you just don't recognize it because you don't have the frame of reference or perspective. Um, th- these leaders are the ones that I, I'm doing this for. I, I want to do this podcast to provide the people on the receiving end of this, especially the perspective to. Um, receive the criticism or the feedback or the message, whatever the message is, whatever that leader's trying to get across, for you to be able to kind of decode and process and understand um, what they're trying to communicate. Uh, kind of like the, the army the army thing. I, if anybody's ever encountered soldiers, they always say who, right? And it's heard, understand, and acknowledged is, is kind of the, it's like an acronym. Uh, and that's what we kind of we're going for here is so that when these leaders are are putting their time and efforts into you, uh, that you have the tools to hear them, understand them and acknowledge them and, and kind of take that on board instead of thinking they're just picking on you or they're out to get you. Um, so that's the that's the bad leaders. And I'm going to get into the inexperienced leaders are are the ones put into their first leadership position, which may be you. I may be talking to you right now, um, but it's going to be you eventually if it's not. Okay, and you need to understand that uh, generally, and I'm I'm going to go with the majority of the time, including myself when I was put in my first leadership position, I was not ready, and I was learning on the job, and I was making mistakes, and the people that I was responsible for. Uh, suffered as a result of those mistakes and it's going to happen and the more you are equipped to understand that that's what's going on and that they're not in fact a bad leader um, they're just not a particularly skilled one yet or an experienced one yet um, the more you understand that the the better the relationship will be the easier it will be for you uh, to understand what they're trying to accomplish and then understanding the position that they're in help them out don't tear them down and point at them and say that they're a bad leader. Do what you can to help them. Um, a lot of the feedback I've gotten from some of my best students were the frustration of, of oh, that this person's an idiot. I could do it better, right? Everybody's been there. I spent ha- I spent more than half of my career thinking that to myself. Like this guy's this guy's an idiot. I could do this better. You know, just knowing this guy this guy's a moron. You know, I I, I could do this better instead of 
using what I, you know, I thought I was so damn smart. Why wasn't I using that to help that person be a better leader? Uh, I mean, it's only going to make my life easier, you know, (laughs) like why am I not doing something productive instead of sitting on my hands or, or pointing at someone and blaming somebody else? That's a cop out, right? Uh, do what you can do to make it the situation better. Do what you can do to help that leader succeed by developing. Do what you do, whatever you can do to put the the whole organization in the best position to succeed because it's only going to benefit you and everyone around you. Um, so now you know you get into bad leaders, all right? And we keep saying they're out there, so let's talk about it, right? There are sh- there are just crap leaders out there that are bitter and angry and have given up, which is basically, I mean, what we've been talking about this entire time, they quit. Their bar is on the floor. Um, They have no business being in the position that they're in. And as a result of them being in that position by virtue of of a rank, they probably earned and and are just not living up to. um, Are the organization suffering? You're suffering. Um, the best answer there is to bad leadership um, is replace them. And, and, it, and it sounds simple and it also sounds incredibly difficult because it's not, you know, I can't just elect myself, you know, uh, I can't put myself in that position and, and neither can you. Um, but in a way you can, you, you put the work in, you, you do what you got to do to advance and it was maddening for me. I, I thought I was this super smart, uh, well-equipped leader when I was an E4 or an E3. And I was like, God, I could do my chief's job better than better than he can. Uh, this guy's an idiot, you know? Um, but I, A, I was wrong. B, <laughs> I, uh, I could have been helping him out like we talked about, but C, like, I, I mean, I had, I had bad leaders, uh, several, on my first submarine and um, for different reasons, but the ones that were truly bad leaders, um, just ones that had no business being in the position, those ones you can replace them in, in some ways. And you'll hear people say, well, I'll just replace them. Just, just, he's weak. Just run him over or run her over. Right. Just, just, you know, replace her by being assertive and just taking the job by doing it because they're not doing it. So you just fill that void, right? Um, it can work. Not my favorite option. I am just going to leave that uh, at that. Um, the way that you actually replace a bad leader is by becoming a good one through the same process. Everyone else does, you know, everything we've talked about up to this point, uh, will put you in the best position to succeed. We'll, we'll get you the evals you need, the awards you need, whatever. The, your motivation will put you in the positions that you need to be in to succeed and to advance. Uh, and and the, you will be recognized. If you're good leaders are, are instantly recognized for what they are and are routinely put in the toughest positions as far as leadership goes because they're recognized as the people that have the capacity to do the job. Um, so as you, as you progress and, and do everything you need to be doing to succeed as a leader, you're trust me when I tell you, you will instantly be recognized as a person with the capacity to do the job and you will be put into those positions. So the, when I say the best way to, get rid of that bad leader is to replace them. That's absolutely what I mean. Um, 
be a good one, be a good one at the level you can, you know, you control what you can control as a junior enlisted person. You can't promote yourself, but you can put the work in, you can, uh, do all the extra things you need to be doing to get the evals you need to be getting, um, and, and advance, study and advance and put yourself in the next pay grade and the next pay grade and the next pay grade until you're the you're in the leadership positions um, that that bad leader was in. And you are always learning from bad leaders, uh, always learning. I mean, you got a living, breathing example of what not to do. And it's powerful. Uh, a lot of my biggest leadership lessons were learned by watching somebody screw it up. And, and they're powerful and they stay with me because of how poor the experience was so that when I got there, I'm like, I'm never doing that. I'm like, I, I'm not doing that that way. I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that no one ever has to experience that again. And so while I endured bad leadership, I gained a lot of positive lessons from those leaders and you need to be open to those and you need to remember those. Uh, and a lot of times those poor experiences are burned in your brain because of how epically poor they were. But, uh, Again, be positive, make it productive, turn it into something that's making you better because you, you're being made better, all right? You know, you're in, a, in a, a development process, even with a bad leader, where you're being refined, you are, are gaining tools so that you can be better than them. Um, but you, by being, by being in that position and gaining, gaining those tools, you're only going to gain them by being self-aware and understanding that that's where you're at and that's what's happening, but also by never allowing your bar to lower, by never lowering your standard, by understanding that I'm going to be the best version of me no matter what. I don't care what they say to me. I don't care if you know this poor leader tells me I'm never going to mount anything because look in the mirror, clown. Like really? So so who are you? And at the, at the end of the day, like who are you to evaluate me when you, when you don't have your stuff together? So. You know, and, and don't become combative with that bad leader. Don't put yourself in that position. Just understand silently to yourself. Make those plans. You know, make those goals. Uh, it's one of my. <laughs> I'm about to quote a, a Facebook meme. God help me, but uh, it's you know, s set your goals, stay silent about them, smash them, and then clap for your damn self. Okay, it's it's something that uh, you know you don't have to. Go to war with that person, but the best revenge is living well. Go out there and show them. Uh, funny, funny sea story, I guess, is uh, one of the poor leaders that I had that constantly told me that if I didn't get it together, I wasn't going to be anything. Retired as a first class where I was while I was wearing anchors to work. So, how do you like me now? Um, so I'm gonna kind of wrap this up. Uh, we, you know, we talked about a lot, all right. Uh, and hopefully, I wasn't talking in too many circles as I as I sometimes do. But uh, we talked about the suck, all right. We talked about channeling the suck positively, so that you come out the other end better instead of letting it beat you down. And you you've got to do that. There there is so much value in being in that tough situation in in going through that trying time um because uh, your character goes through the roof um you come out of it such such a better version of yourself as long as you're aware of what you're going through and that you know that there are positive things going on even though you're in the midst of it sucking right and then you know conquer it learn from everything 
Learn from all versions of leaders, whether they're inexperienced and confused and they don't know what they're doing, whether they're, you know, um, actually bad leaders that are giving you a living, breathing example of how not to do it, or if they're good leaders, learn from all of them, learn from every version of it, because no matter what's going on, there is a lesson to be had and you need to have it. Um, you know, you need to understand what's happening, uh, from a broader point of view so that you can productively channel your frustrations into success and it's, and, and you can, um, don't make excuses. Don't. Don't cop out. Don't compromise who you are and the way that you do things because of the crappy situation around you. All right. Don't make excuses. Be the change you want to see in the world. All right. Stop pouting and get out there and do what you need to do to get to where you want to be. All right. Don't ever allow somebody to tell you you can't. All right. Just don't because it's crap. Um, you know, uh, if I keep going, I'm just going to keep repeating myself, but I'm, uh, it's something I'm passionate about. I want all you to succeed. And if there's anything I can ever do to help you get there, just let me know. Uh, that's all I got for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, so get out there and get busy and don't give up the ship. Thanks for listening.